Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello Trojan fans and welcome to episode number 215 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 2nd, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. We'd love to get your questions too. If you have any questions or comments, please email us podcast at uscfootball.com. Give us a call 206-888-6755. Leave a brief voicemail or go right to peristylepodcast.com. Click on the left-hand side of the page and leave a voice message for us there. We're going to have Dan Weber coming up later on in the show. He'll be talking about what he saw at the USC Spring Scrimmage at the Coliseum. And we also have another pair of eyes that was at the scrimmage. Coach Harvey Hyde joining us in the first segment. As always, I'd love to talk to you, Coach. He's going to share his thoughts, what he saw in the scrimmage, and everything else about the USC football team. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Ryan, good morning to you. Good morning to all of our listeners out there. It's a beautiful Monday, and uh, Trojans had a drizzly scrimmage Saturday in the Coliseum. And uh, I've got a lot of uh, comments on that scrimmage, and uh, I uh, let's get started. Let's don't waste any time, but let's thank our sponsor, because they're the best. Sure, for sure. Southern California Tickets, you can go to sctickets.com or give them a call, 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for concerts any sort of sporting events you want to go to the theater take a special someone over there something nice like that lots of stuff going on in los angeles you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out tell us tell them uh, the parastyle podcast sent you and you can ask for curtis and they'll they'll hook you up over there coach and uh well you talk about the scrimmage coach and you, i know you have a lot of thoughts maybe we'll get your initial thoughts and we can get to some more detailed stuff of what you thought went on on saturday at the scrimmage well, first of all, I was really excited about getting over to the Coliseum. I really look forward to it. I got there right on time when they did all the early outs and workouts and individual drills, drills and so on, where I could evaluate the players and the coaches and the techniques and the backs and receivers and defensive backs and all the uh, all the above. And what I did purposely, I sat uh, in uh, aisle six, made sure I was all by myself in disguise so that I could sit there and really concentrate and watch the scrimmage. Uh, you know, sometimes when you go to a scrimmage, you sit down with parents, you talk to people, and you really miss the real thing you're going there to do, see what's going on and evaluate the team and the progress of the team and the whole package. So I wanted to do that. So I sat there and was able to do that. Ryan, I didn't even see you. I didn't talk to you. I didn't talk to anybody. You didn't see me down on the field. You didn't see me anywhere because I really wanted to do not a scouting report, but an evaluation after three weeks of practice, and I somewhat uh, come, up, come up with these ideas. You know, I've been to several practices, as you know, and every practice I go to, I see someone rolling up and down the field uh, because of missing a meeting or late to a meeting or whatever that, whatever their penalty is or whatever they did. And, you know, I just, and I don't mean to be critical, but I'm just giving you my philosophy. I never punished or disciplined anybody during practice because I thought it hurt the team. You can't have a team activity. You can't get better on defense if an offensive player, a player that's a good player, rolling up and down the field and he misses it. I would always punish him on his time. If he had to get up early or run the stadium steps or, or do something with the strength coach in the weight room or stay in study hall longer, whatever that punishment is, I used to call it an opportunity period that I did after practice, which was called an opportunity to improve yourself. I would read a list off saying, all right, go to opportunity, the following guys. And they'd go, and I had a a coach like Ed Orgeron or somebody that made sure they never wanted to go there again because it was a pretty, uh, you know, upstage event. You didn't want to go there again. Rolling up and down the field, uh, I don't know. First of all, I know it humiliates you when everybody's watching you. But you only get 20 hours a week to work with these kids. And to spend an hour of valuable practice time having someone roll up and down the field, I don't know if that 
helps your football team. I think it hurts your football team because this kid should be learning the offense and defense, and a couple of them have been starters, guys that play a lot. And they miss their turns. They miss what you're trying to accomplish. They're not scrimmaging. Defense is not getting to see the look, or the offense is not seeing the look. And I think it hurts the overall team. So that's one thing I've noticed, and I just wanted to bring that up because I see it every practice. Ryan, you probably see the same stuff. Yeah, that definitely happens. And uh, we, you know, we had a question on that. We'll get to that later on in the show about who was rolling and stuff like that. Usually, like you said, coach, if they're late for a meeting, late for a workout, something like that. I think both of the players that were rolling on Saturday weren't going to be practicing anyway. Um, so it's not terrible, but certainly there's been situations, and a lot of them, coach, like you mentioned, where there are guys that would be playing, they end up rolling instead. Right. Well, if they're not going to be practicing, then they should be with their position coach, not screwing around, paying attention to what the call is, knowing what the play is or what the coverage is, and knowing what's going on, not standing in the background BSing with each other. Now, I knew there were recruits on the field, and occasionally that's good, too, that a recruit talks to a player. I think that's really good because you can't really discourage that you want players to come to USC because of the team and the practice but the discipline in front of recruits and to do that I think just doesn't get it done and if you're you and I think an injured player doesn't have a day off an injured player has to be involved in the play calling the coaching that's going on and all of the above so this is just my philosophy it wasn't a day off when you were injured it was a day when you learn mentally by watching your others perform correctly or wrong and being corrected. Okay. Uh, the, the next thing. Okay, go ahead. Can I, can I keep going? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was just asking about the next thing, but go ahead. You, you're just, on a roll. I just, I just think these are things that if people are at practice and they have a football background, they may agree or they may not agree. Secondly, I don't think it's good to have a big scrimmage when you can't perform or get better. And on Saturday, I don't think USC's football team got better. When you don't have your you know, one receiver, two receivers, coaches are running around putting players in position on offense, do this, do that. How do you get better? The, the offense has a real disadvantage. The defense lined up just beating the you-know-what out of the offense. You saw it. They've seen the same offense for three weeks. They know the offense. They know what you're going to do, and they, they're not worried about some of the guys that are running routes when they can't beat them. So they're not, they're not too pressured to, to, to play at a higher level. The defensive line and offensive line, they were intact. They got after it pretty good. But, again, the offense wasn't at full strength where they could demonstrate what's going on. So I think you're better off, at least this is what I would have done, or I have done, and I'm not saying Coach Kiffin doesn't know what's going on. He does. But I'd have delayed that practice, not had a practice on Saturday, and had it the final week where maybe you have back half of the players that are injured that can perform and play and get out there. Sure, you're going to have your scrimmage on April the 14th, but maybe work out Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Make an extra day in there where you're – Players that are hurt or injured or at a track meet can participate in your drills as far as spring practice. Spring practice is a time where you really want to get better and really improve or work on drills that you can really work on without receivers. Uh, Running game inside, uh, goal line offense when you don't use your receivers, uh, uh, where they just stock block or do different things on your defensive backs. But I didn't think they got better with that scrimmage. And uh, and I think you can't waste the day. And when Coach Lane Kiffin gave up the play calling, I was shocked because at first I couldn't see him. Clay was Clay Helton was doing the play calling. Then uh, Paula Malik did the play calling. What signal are you giving the offense? Oh, we're not very good. Let someone else do it. So I think there's an emotional thing there that drops down. Not that he can't do that. And coaches have fun doing that but you want to practice what you're trying to accomplish. And then with Matt Barkley, now, not scrimmaging at all. 
He did do the early drills as far as throwing the ball around. But I think you've got to have some turns. You've got to remember what it's like under fire. Now, the receivers weren't there, and if that's the reason they held him out, I certainly understand that. But walking around without a helmet, I mean, I know he's a great player and he came back. You don't want him injured. But he's got to be more of a part of it as far as he's your leader on offense. He's who everybody looks at. I like the reps that Kessler and Wittick got, and they say that they're even at this time. I like Wittick. I think Wittick really threw the ball well to who he had an opportunity of throwing it to. Uh, Who knows who's going to end up number two. But I could go on and on and on. I know this is not what you want to hear, but this is what I'm telling you because this is what I saw. And I'm a guy that's not a homer. I'm a guy that tells you, what I think. You can agree or disagree, but this is what I saw on Saturday. You know, I, and I thought there's some great points there, Coach, and I, I know Dan Weber probably has some, some different opinions, and we'll get to those later on the show. For me, with, with Matt not, Barkley not being out there, I know you can't really cater to the fans, but the fact that they did open the scrimmage up for fans who hadn't seen the team since the UCLA game, I think the fans probably wanted to see Matt Barkley throw the football around a little bit, and he did get to do some warm-up stuff. And I can understand from a you know a, a practice point of view if he just wanted to see the two backup quarterbacks participate and kind of go against each other. I mean that's fine, but I think the fans would have appreciated too seeing some scrimmage type reps from Matt Barkley. Well, I think you have to have it. He hasn't played football. I mean, in an active game. Remember, they didn't go to a bowl game since the UCLA game. And you can't really lose your touch or your rhythm. Matt is at the top of his career. He's a mature young man. So what makes him better is the reps. What makes him better is the reads. Athletically, I don't know if he's going to get better. He's reached that already. But learning to play the game in his reads and throwing the ball where you throw to the right receiver, that's where you get better at his stage of the game. So you've got to do some reps, but I understand them giving reps to the uh, backup quarterbacks to find out who's going to be the guy. But I think that you have to keep your rhythm. You have to keep your rhythm. You have to keep your leadership. You have to be able to see him in the huddle. You have to remember he came back. You have to remember when he calls to play, hey, there's that extra effort. This guy has made a a commitment. And I think you you lack that when when he doesn't really get in there much. Well, you mentioned some of the backup quarterbacks, and you did like uh, Max Wittick. Uh, we didn't get to see Jesse Scroggins, uh, but maybe get your thoughts on what you saw out of both both guys. Obviously, they both got a lot of turns. Um, you got the, It's pretty good time to evaluate them, even though there's not a lot of uh, receivers out there for them to throw to. Sometimes they're running around for their lives. You can see Wittick get a little more mobile than maybe people thought he was. Uh, get your thoughts on those two backup quarterbacks. Well, you know, they did both get a lot of turns, and I watched them pretty closely. Wittick's the bigger of the two. Wittick's uh, 6'4". Uh, Kessler's about, what, 6'1". And he can see over uh, the lineman, or he has a better vision of seeing through or finding an open space to throw the football. I thought he threw really well on the run, and he throws a real spiral hard football. He really does, uh, and I think that he can thread the seams. Uh, Kessler played well, but I didn't think right now he played up to what Wittick is playing because physically Wittick's a bigger guy and throws the ball a little harder. and You can do different things with Wittick. Uh, not that Kessler isn't a great player. Scroggins, I'm not sure what's happening with him. He's got to get well. He's either got to get well or he's not going to compete. I'm just going to tell you that. Same with George Farmer. Everybody loves George Farmer. I think he's the greatest receiver I saw in high school, one of the best ever. But it's time, you know, it's time, George, time you get on the field, okay? Time you get well. I know you have a hamstring and this and that, but it's time you get ready. There's some guy saying with Buck Allen, hey, Buck, it's time to play. It's time to play. And uh, guys have got to wrap it up and play. Be in full uniform. Get out there. So... You know, this is what I'm seeing because you have a long time to get well. You know, you really do. So I, I like 
right now, I would say Wittick is ahead of Kessler. I know probably Dan feels are both equal. I heard read one of his articles. He thought Kessler was a little ahead, but of course, it's just our opinion. Right. No, good stuff too. Um, and it, it's it's interesting when you have these cool battles going on for a backup quarterback that we get to talk about. And I think you got two guys that were both, you know, all American quarterbacks when they were in high school. And, you know, Wittick looked like he was the best quarterback down at the Under Armour All American game in Florida. And Kessler looked like he was the best quarterback at the U S army All American game in San Antonio. So it's, it's a pretty good problem to have. Uh, if you're Lane Kiffin and USC Trojans for someone to take over next season. Oh, I think it's a great, great uh, thing for them to get these turns, and whoever takes over, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them. Um, because, uh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry, Coach. Go ahead. No, yeah, you can go ahead and finish your thoughts. Sorry about that. Well, that's all right. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them. Whenever you're the guy following Matt Barkley or following anybody, Carson Palmer, everyone is expecting a certain level. Recruiting is going good. They should have an excellent team the following year, too. They've got a lot of young players who will be playing. And the level of expectancy at USC is one where you challenge for the championship and if fortunate enough, you play for the national championship. That's why you go to USC. You don't go to USC to finish second. You go to USC to finish first. And uh, these are what these kids will be inheriting. All right. Uh, Melvin had a question, Coach, and it kind of goes along with some of the guys you just mentioned uh, over the last couple of minutes, he wanted to know, have you heard, I mean, he said, I've heard you guys talk about certain players who unfortunately have not been able to show their talents in spring football for whatever reason. He mentions guys like Buck Allen, Jesse Scroggins, and George Farmer, all guys you had just mentioned. Will there be enough time in the fall to show the coaching staff that they can play if they can't get enough time in the spring? There is enough time. But uh, they've got to be ready to go, and they can't get hurt. Because in the fall, you're getting ready to play football games. You're not just trying to find out who your talent is or who should play what position. You're getting ready to play football games. You're game planning. You're working on your, 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 your techniques as well as your timing and the whole philosophy of winning football games, kicking game and the whole package. So someone has got to be really good really challenge and get the opportunity to run turns. When you come back in the fall, when you're getting ready for football, you've got your depth chart put together mentally. Maybe it's not released to the press, but mentally you know what your thoughts are of who's playing where and what. So you've got to really star when you're giving your few reps. Because the number one and number two guys are going to get all the reps. That's just the way it is. That's the way you get better. That's the timing. I've never been for this committee thing. You've got to get your unit pride. You've got to play. So if you're not playing a lot in the spring, you really got to be ready and get an opportunity in the fall to play. Otherwise, you're going to watch. Right now, Blackwell, Florinari, hey, they're making a statement. Those guys are out there. Blackwell got hurt on that one play, refused to come out, went back in the huddle. Then later they took him out. But I want to tell you, that showed me a lot of courage when he did that. He didn't. He was limping around, went back in there, and they threw a fade route to him the next play, and he was there to try to make an attempt to catch it. That's what you have to do. You can't play, but not play because you got a hangnail. And I don't want to sound like I'm brutal, but I'm saying if you play the game of football, you are going to have nagging soreness and nagging injuries if you hit someone and if someone hits you. So that's part of the things you grew up with. Maybe in high school you were just so good that you never did feel that pain. But if you've played sports during your life, there's a pain. If you haven't had a massage for a long period of time and you go to get a deep massage, you're sore the next day. Whether people believe that or not, I say go try it. But you're still going to live. You're still going to get through it. So uh, some of these guys have got to step up. But no, they will not have the, the fall as far as the spring to get ready to play as they do in the spring because you're getting ready to game plan. You've got your depth charts. You're getting ready to take on competition. So it's very difficult. 
All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Melvin. Coach, uh, one of the other battles that was out there in week one, we saw Kevin Graff uh, take over for Matt Khalil at left tackle. Week two, they let Andre Walker go back to left tackle. He was playing right tackle, and then Kevin Graff went back to where he started last year for the Trojans at, at right tackle. And this past week, same thing. They they worked Andre Walker mostly at left tackle. So two weeks in a row, they've been doing that. I want to get your thoughts on the tackle situation. And I know Kevin Graff is, uh, feels really comfortable at left tackle, even though he started at right tackle last year. Andre Walker, I mean, he's played all over the place. Get your thoughts on those two guys and, and where they're playing. Well, you know, let me tell you this. Uh, I know the Graff family. They're a tremendous family. Brother played at USC. And Kevin's always played left tackle. Grew up playing left tackle. Was taught to play left tackle. I was told that by his brother. He's very familiar with the left tackle position. Feels comfortable there. Uh, will he be the left tackle? I'm not sure. At right tackle, he's done a great job. He got better during the year last year. As the season went on, he became an outstanding player. Can is he the athlete? I'm talking about the athlete that Walker is. I don't believe he's the athlete Walker is. I know that he's tougher and he's got the experience. There's no question about that. But Walker's a little soft. When I say that, he's still a baby in a man's body. That happens. It takes years. Uh, he'll start to learn to shave here shortly. And, But he's got great potential. He's got great feet. And you've got to have great feet for his. Normally, you're going to pass block their best pass rusher. Weak side linebacker, weak side end. And you've got to pull out on screens and do different things. And he has all the ability to do that. Not quite as tall as Graft. And it's harder to run when you're tall and big. You've got to be able to bend your knees when you're a big guy. You don't see a lot of people in the pros that are playing at 6'8", 6'9", in tackles. He bends his knees. You've got to bend your knees. You've got to get in a good position. Walker, uh, I watched him. Uh, he's not yet physical. Uh, he has the ability to be a great pass blocker. He's in good position. He's big enough to, to, to shield the quarterback, and he's quick enough to take a guy past the quarterback. He just has to get a lot of experience. My personal opinion right now is Walker will stay at left tackle and Graff will stay at right tackle. That's my personal opinion at this time. Will it happen? I don't know. Uh, I know that Kim wants to play left tackle, but he's doing a great job at the right tackle. And uh, he has the combinations over there, knowing next to Martinez and all the people how to block there. So you might be better off being walking along at the left tackle. All right, Coach. Uh, that was good points there. We'll see. They're going to keep going the next two weeks of spring. And then obviously in the fall camp, there's a lot that can happen there. We'll keep you guys updated on what happens with the USC offensive tackle situation. Uh, we had another question. He's uh, listening to the information, recruiting information put out by you and Gerard. It seems like defensive line is a big priority for recruiting in 2013 due to depth problems. Do you think it's possible USC might go into a 3-4 defense rather than a 4-3 during the season if defensive line depth continues to be a problem? I don't think so. Uh, Monty Kiffin is Monty Kiffin, and he's a four-man front defensive coach. That's what he knows. That's what he's going to do because that's him, Monty Kiffin. Uh, I don't think there is bad off Anton Woods. Uh, they were happy with him on Saturday. He's lost a lot of weight. He looked quicker. He surprised me. He played better than I thought he could play. He did. Buko played great. Townsend, I think, is going to be a great player. I really do. Townsend's just a, a baby growing up. He's going to be a great player. Uh Horton, of course, uh, is who Horton is. Kennard's got to step up, though. Kennard's got to be who he's supposed to be. And uh, I think he can be, being challenged. He's got to take Perry's spot and uh, make that happen. So you've got to find somebody. Tavai, uh, his guy is quick. With, uh, with Uko and Tavai in there, and you've got Hayward. Temple, of course, is hurt. You've got to be able to get by with that. And uh, sometimes you don't have all the depth that's necessary 
at years, but I don't see Monty Kiffin changing, okay? I don't see him changing. I know uh, Madden is now a running back. I didn't agree with that move when it happened. I just thought I'd tell you that. I, you didn't ask me that question. A lot of people out there might think it's a great move. The kid's happy because he's a great player and a great kid. Because he'd be happy playing anywhere. But at USC, I don't think you move a running back or a linebacker to running back. You find a running back. Uh, Madden uh, is was really playing well in the first week as as a as a linebacker. Uh, you got DJ Morgan, and you got Curtis McNeil this spring. I'd just work them to death and tell Buck Allen, you better get back out there. Any other guys that are there, but they did that. Madden's a good enough athlete that in the fall, if they need to, he can go back at linebacker if uh, Aguilar comes through and uh, plays well, and Allen can get himself in shape to play well. But uh, that's how I feel on that. And I jumped to running backs and linebackers. <laughs> and I'm sorry. That's... But, you know, just things that's come into my mind. That's what we like, Coach. We like to, we like to hear what's going on. We don't know what's going on in that mind of yours, Coach, but there's always some interesting Sometimes stuff. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> so please excuse me if you're mad at me. I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> cool. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm sorry I missed you out there on Saturday, but I know you're, you're sitting alone doing your, your homework and watching everything that was going on down on the field. We, we love getting your insights of uh, how that goes, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Well, I'm looking forward to going out Saturday, and I hope some of the players are back and well. And uh, Lee's back, ready to go. And uh, we'll see what happens next week, another week. And then we have the, the spring game the following week, and it's over. Yeah, only two weeks left. Crazy. It's, it seems like it's flying by. But uh, thanks again, Coach. We appreciate you coming on the show. Love having you on. Everyone else. And I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. But everyone else, we're going to be back in 30 seconds. We'll have Dan Weber coming on. He has some opinions as well out there from the USC scrimmage on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have, as promised, uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber on the line joining us to talk about the scrimmage and answer some of your questions. How's it going, Dan? What's been up? Oh, uh, going good. Going good. They uh, kind of enjoyed it uh, Saturday. They got more done with uh, with less, I thought, than uh, uh, I thought there were, as I, as I wrote, a lot of positives out of it. Uh, even though you know it wasn't a full full style game type scrimmage, I thought uh, I thought uh, what they did, I thought the approach that Lane took was uh, there are things we can really get out of this. Let's do it. Let's go get it rather than kind of you know focus on oh we don't have any tight ends or we don't have any uh, wide receivers or whatever. And I thought that's a really good approach. Let's uh, let's make this work for us. Let's get this going. Now, I thought it was kind of interesting um, when it was the first time that USC opened it up to the public, and they, they during the week they said, hey, it's a free scrimmage, come out, and I don't know how many, maybe a 1,000 people or so uh, showed up there, Trojan fans, and they opened up the concession. It seemed like people were having a pretty good time, but the decision for from Lane Kiffin to say, okay, uh, we have all these people here checking out USC football for the first time since the UCLA game, and... We're going to sit Matt Barkley and not let him play and let the backup quarterbacks battle it out a little bit. Did you find that kind of an interesting decision? I thought it was a good one because I think those guys do need to play, and I don't think you know I don't think they feel like Matt really, really needs to. And I I thought the positive there is there's none of this kind of sense of oh he's thrown some interceptions in practice. 
we better let him get on the field and 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 show that he's fine. And then you know the the backup guys again maybe don't get as much work. And I thought it's a real kind of a mature decision to say you know the best thing for us right now is to let these uh, let uh, Max Winnick and Cody Kessler get out there as much as possible. Even though you know they may be uh, in a lot of situations, they've only got one receiver in the game. As Cody was kidding afterwards, I said, "What are you thinking? You're doing a lot of scrambling." He said, "You know, while I'm scrambling, I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I take one look at my first option as a receiver, and then I take off." <laughs> and he said, "I said, what are you thinking while you're doing that?" And he said, "Where are my receivers?" <laughs> And so I liked that. I thought that I thought we saw great progress from those two. I, I thought they, that was uh, that was good for them, and that's probably is something USC really needs to have those guys. And I thought it was interesting afterwards that Lane said he'd be comfortable with either one of them in a game situation. If Mac goes down, he said honestly, I, I think we can play both of those guys. Uh, and play them now, and and that's a big deal. They're they're a lot farther along uh, from where they were a year ago, and uh, I think that's a plus. So so that's something they really did get out of uh, out of out of Saturday, and I, I like it that they feel like uh, you know we don't have to do anything just because uh, we want to show people that Matt Barkley's uh, not going to throw interceptions or whatever, and that Matt Barkley can be. You know, having fun, uh, calling, helping call plays with uh, Kennedy Palomalu and Clay Helton. I just thought I liked all those little things that we're seeing uh, of a kind of a mature program that's pretty confident about itself and yet, you know, working hard to to get better. So I I, I thought it was a good day. Um, well, I guess maybe we could handicap the race a little bit, get your thoughts on how Max Wittick looked, how Cody Kessler looked. Normally, Kessler has been kind of getting the second-team reps. There was a threat on the peristyle that people feel that, you know, Max Wittick has, has taken over. It's some interesting thoughts now that guys got to, you know, a lot of the our, our people on the P got to see these guys in person for themselves. Maybe get your thoughts on that. And where Jesse Scroggins, what's, what's going on on that situation too? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we should probably, uh, in our business, never, uh, you know, downplay the uh, the right or the importance of someone having a, a really strong opinion about something they really maybe don't know a whole lot about. But uh, when they see something, uh, you know, it all falls into place. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't put one ahead of the other. I, I would put, I would say this. I thought Max showed things we haven't seen him show. He showed a comfort level in the offense. Uh, he showed a mobility. Uh, I thought he, uh, uh, he, I thought he, uh, other than a couple of balls, I thought he you know, showed some real touch on his passes. Uh, so uh, I thought he, you know, made it real interesting as to how, how this goes. I mean, each of them have their, uh, their uh, things that they do better. Uh, and I do think, uh, you know, Max uh, had um, uh, probably Devon uh, Flournoy uh, made a lot of more plays for Max than he was than he made for Cody, and Cody might have had a couple of drops from people and and what have you. I, I think it's really really close, and I think they really do different things. And and much is in the case of when they pick Matt Leiner. To some of us, uh, that spring. Uh, uh, and you know, going into the spring game, you know, we were flipping, you know, flipping coins to, to guess who was, you know, based on the performance on the field. But Norm Chow saw things from uh, Matt Leiner in uh, in all the meetings and, and things on the huddle in the huddle that we weren't privy to uh, that made Mac, uh, you know, Leiner was a choice. And I think so. I think in the case of which of those two guys is going to be uh, things maybe we don't see. Uh, because they think you know they're pretty uh, even in, in, in you know each of them has their, has their own assets you know in terms of Cody with his uh, scrambling ability and his ability to throw on the run and his really good feet and all the things that and sort of a confidence level and then Max you know Max is that uh, you know big big arm and uh, you know the classic uh, 
you know, Orange County, uh, modern day to USC quarterback look. So, uh, uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, that, that both of them are there. Jesse Scoggins, just one thing after another, you know, for a while there at, at the beginning of the semester, it looked like academically, you know, he, he was going to be, uh, in, in real difficulty. Then I think they took another look at, uh, one of his grades and then okay he's uh he's going to be okay for the you know the spring semester but then uh uh i know you know he's missed a practice where he's end up or missed a, a weightlifting late for a weightlifting caused him to have to roll for a whole practice uh then he did something and it's hard to exactly say and i don't even know if he knew we saw him twist uh kind of step on like a sprinkler head or something which gave him a little twist to it. You couldn't tell if it was a sprained foot or if it did something else. And now we're hearing, you know, maybe he's got some hip involvement that's been uh, what's been keeping him out. Uh, but, uh, but I think, you know, he knows he's running behind. I don't think there's any question about it uh, behind the other two. Uh, he's certainly getting closer. And, when you know, you go to practice and now he's already – you know, he's got the towel on and he's all, you know, got full pads and throwing the ball with the other quarterbacks. But uh, uh, so far, he, he hasn't been part of, of any uh, any of the real action. And, uh, in, you know, when you've got a backup battle like that, three is an awful lot. Uh, you know, two sometimes seems like, gosh, that's going to be a hard call. It's very hard, I think, to get the third guy involved there. So I don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, uh, how, you know, I don't think we know enough yet. Okay, uh, good stuff with the quarterbacks there. I think that's what one of the main things people were talking about. It's funny with backup quarterbacks position is uh, a big topic. Then you, I think you know you're pretty well set for the starting quarterback. So we didn't yeah. get to see Matt Barkley. Um, you know, talk to Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. He had a little bit different view of the scrimmage, and he hasn't been out to all the practices like you know all of us have as much. You know, because he's not able to go during the week, but it's been most of these weekend ones. He didn't think that with they they didn't get enough done because there was you know a lack of wide receivers, a lack of tight ends, and um, wasn't really a fan of the way doing a scrimmage like that if you don't have the the players on the field to, to kind of compete like that. And, and, you know, I like what you said about it. Kind of Lane Kiffin took a different approach. Uh, maybe, maybe can we react to that a little bit and get your thoughts? Well, I, I, see, I think we're, you know, probably two straight weeks. Uh, we've used the word scrimmage. But basically, you know, they've just gone 11 on 11 like they always do. It's just a regular practice, basically, essentially. And I think it, it's – it's hard not to make it a little bit more than that when you're at the Coliseum. Uh, but essentially, I think what people saw, and I think I wrote that, was that that was a practice. Uh, maybe slightly more game condition uh, in terms of uh, how they went three and out, you know, in terms of turning the ball over to the other, other, other team. Uh, but other than that, essentially, you know, they did what they do in practice. And so uh, – uh, yeah, I, I don't. I would not have called it a scrimmage. I don't think Lane called it a scrimmage. I think Lane pretty much on Thursday said, "Yeah, it's not really going to be a scrimmage." Uh, so I thought, uh, you know, considering, uh, you know, I think we're making it more than it is uh, if we say it was a scrimmage because it really wasn't a scrimmage. Uh, so uh, I thought, you know, I thought, for example, I think they wanted the defense to show up. Uh, in terms of, I don't know that they've really had the defense putting on lots and lots of pressure in ways in which uh, it would make it hard for an offense without tight ends and wide receivers, uh, you know, to, to compete. So I thought Saturday they did. Uh, they they did a lot a lot more, and uh, you know I think that's important. I think uh, um, they saw, uh, for example, an Antoine Woods. Uh, kind of step up and, and say, yeah, you know, I think we can have a nose tackle or we can have two nose tackles that can can get the job done. I thought you saw more pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I thought you saw the offensive line, uh, you know, really get challenged. Uh, and I, I think that's a good thing. You know, if, uh, if for example, Marcus Martin and, uh, and Andre Walker weren't on, you know, 
exactly the same page, uh, they, uh, you know, it showed. And I think it was good for Andre to see, uh, you know, how you, you have to, and I know he's still working on, uh, you know, after kind of getting the right side down, now he's, he's working on the left side in terms of just, uh, you know, what exactly are his responsibilities and in what order and all that kind of thing on the left side. And so I think, you know, that was exposed a little bit, and that's a good thing. So, uh, yeah, I didn't have any problem with it when you considered, you know, that Robert Woods and Marquise Lee, uh, somebody said, uh, you know, they thought the uh, defensive line dominated a little bit. And sure, the offense had some issues, and I said, you mean the fact that Robert Woods wasn't there and Marquise Lee wasn't there and um, Colin Holmes wasn't there and Xavier Gribble wasn't there and Randy Telford wasn't there. And, you know, and you just go on and on down. And Mike Barkley didn't play. You think, you think the offense might have been a little handicapped? So <laughs> considering all of that, uh, I thought I, I was fairly positive about it, actually. Yeah, and I, I do like the fact that with missing – offensive pieces and George Farmer wasn't there and uh, really yeah. no tight ends at all. I, I like the fact that they would put in just uh, Cody Kessler and Max Wittick and let them battle it out with a mix of first-team guys and second-team guys as opposed to just running with second- or third-team guys all the time. Yeah, sure, there was a lot of people missing, but they still got a lot of the first-team reps with offensive linemen and things like that. So I think it sort of helped them. It was just a little weird, though. I think the the fans who came out, would have liked to see Matt Barkley, but I agree with you. What what Lane Kiffin did, I think, was best with what he had available for this kind of practice. And that's what a that's a maturing uh, Lane Kiffin. That's a the kind of thing that you know Nick Saban does because that's who he is. You know, I run this program, and not in a you know a, a big you know ego way or anything else. Just this is the best thing for this team to do today and this is what we're going to do and and we're really glad everybody's here and they you know they mostly really wanted it uh to be open so they could get family and friends in and i think the uh the impetus there was that uh they didn't think they were going to be able to get everybody cleared 48 hours in advance because maybe all the kids didn't know you know who was going to be able to come and all that so i think it was more of a family thing anyway family and friends and uh the reason they got it open was not so much to open it to the the general public but it was more to make sure they didn't miss out on any kids you know family or friends who wanted to come and hadn't been cleared through that you know onerous 48 hour uh pre-clearance process that uh that they have to do and uh and that's kind of what it felt like it kind of felt like uh you're, you know, you don't always get to see your, you know, your kids or your 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 friends uh, or your former high school teammates or high school coach or whatever. Don't get to always see you practice. So here's a chance to come out and, and watch them. But I, I don't think it was done for show so much. And I like that a lot. I thought that's a, that's a maturing USC program, uh, you know, with uh, with Lane. Uh, you know, we're going to do what, what – uh, you know, the next step, what we can do, what we can get done. The fact that if Marquise Lee, for example, really wants to go to the Texas Relays and he can make the case to Lane, uh, then Lane says, well, go get him then. Go to, go to Texas. That'll be fine. I think that's just, that's really good that, that they feel like they can make their case, they can have a connection, and they don't have to, you know, no, no, we want to put on a show Saturday uh, Marquise, we need you to be here. Uh, I, I think that's a very good thing. USC football doesn't need to put on shows, you know, for people. Uh, to be honest with you, the video, the history of USC football video, that was show enough. I, I don't think they needed to go a lot past that. That that thing was uh, really uh, impressive, and uh, you know, people I think would have rather. <laughs> Watched that and then practiced for a little bit. That was uh, that was a really strong uh, uh, strong job. And and when you see that video board with something like that, boy, it just uh, they could not have uh, uh, done anything better than than that. 
That's true. That was an impressive show up there on the video board. I think the fans uh, got into it. Didn't mind the little sprinkles towards the end, but that was good. Yeah. Uh, well, we yeah, have that a... got him a chance to say, you know, we've done enough. Let's. This is good. Yeah. And uh, so I thought it was very. I was very upbeat about it. Actually, I thought uh, they made absolutely the most out of the day. They got. They got the most out of it, and uh, uh, you know, it shows them where they are. Shows them what they've got to do. I thought the coaches were able to get into it a little bit more in terms of uh, how they played the offense against the defense and all of that. Uh, so, uh, and we're seeing the defense now. Uh, when you read all of the analyses of this team coming into this year and you read all the uh, things that people are saying that maybe have to do with how they played defense a lot of ways last year, I think that's maybe not going to be uh, applicable as much anymore. I just don't see him giving up plays anymore. Uh, uh, you just don't see guys catching the ball. I mean, for example, uh, the first two times that uh, the offense had fourth and short, both times they completed short passes. Neither time, uh, I guess, uh, one no gain, one minus uh, a yard or two, I thought, that's probably not the kind of thing you were used to. Uh, usually uh, we have seen uh, in the first couple of years, we've seen an awful lot of uh, completions underneath uh, that, uh, that, that I don't think we're going to see as much of anymore. I think with Marvin Sanders and the way, uh, uh, you know, Monty, I think, you know, has been evolving. And I think when they sit back and look at last year in total, they understand that with the athletes they have, uh, it just doesn't make much sense to be conceding uh, all those underneath throws when very few people are trying to beat them deep. I mean, people are pretty much, they don't do that anymore. Uh, and so I thought you saw some of that, which I think that was, a, that was an indicator that this, this team – uh, you know, with uh, T.J. McDonald, Nikel Roby, uh, you know, Juwan Starling, Isaiah Wiley, and all the other guys. Lane is saying things like uh, he thinks Torrin Harris is going to be absolutely in the mix, that the nerve is coming around, uh, and uh, Anthony Brown, and, and just uh, the Dream McAllister and Demetrius Wright. Uh, those guys, I think they're going to, you know, they've all been around. They've all, you know, they don't, I don't think, believe they're going to have any breakdowns. And I think they're really going to come after people. Uh, and I think that's going to make, uh, you know, the passing game, the wide receivers, the quarterbacks, uh, the tight ends, all better. Uh, but it's also going to have a di- – there's going to be a different look. And, and for people to, you know, to maybe look back at some of the, you know, long drives, uh, the inability to get people off the field, you know, three and outs and all that, I think that may be more a thing of the past. So I think they're going to look a little more like a – an SEC defense uh, playing against uh, quarterbacks who and, and wide receivers can actually throw the ball and catch it, uh, which will be interesting. I mean, I think it's going to be fun to, to see where this goes. And I think it's one of the things when you hear how much pressure they're putting on the young defensive linemen to be able to play because they really do want to be able to rotate, uh, you know, two guys at every position, and they're not going to be happy unless, uh, you know, guys like Antoine Woods and J.R. Tavai really step up. And, and unless they get, you know, another defensive end or two to really step up, and, and you're going to hear a lot about that because I think that's the real place that, that you know, that they're really pushing these guys to, to get better because I think, you know, like Oregon, you know, I guess two years ago when Oregon made their big jump, uh, they were playing 25 guys on defense and rotating and coming at you and playing hard and playing fast, taking chances. And I, I think USC, I think they realize we have to be there. That's where we have to be. We can't be able to, you know, like, well, we've got two tackles and that'll be enough and maybe we'll get through the fourth quarter. I don't think you're going to see that anymore. All right. Uh, well, let's finish up, Dan, with a few questions. First one is from Amanda, a voicemail question. I, I let people know last week. Hey, we got a female voice caller again this week. I was going to send you a free T-shirt, so we're going to send Amanda out a free 
our 75 are better than your 85 t-shirt. We'll extend that for another week if you want to send in a voicemail question. Any female voicemail questions we get to play, we'll send you a free t-shirt as well. But here's Amanda's question. Hi, this is Amanda, and I just wanted to know if Trey Madden will overtake DJ Morgan for the backup running back spot. Uh, yeah, I think Trey, I think that's going to be one of the surprises. I, I think Trey's already in the mix. I mean, I think he's uh, he's amazing uh, uh, in the short time how comfortable he looks back there. Uh, obviously, there's going to, you know, ball security issues are always going to be an issue, but he's, you know, for a guy who's 226 to 230 pounds, uh, and, you know, was a linebacker two weeks ago, uh, his ability to hit the hall, hit it at speed, not get knocked off his feet, uh, make positive yardage. Uh, he keeps telling us, too, he said, you know, I'm going to get to throw the ball this week. And what do you see? You know, I love playing Wildcat and all that. I mean, it's it's just uh, I think he's already there. I, I think he's uh, – I think they each do really good things. Uh, Curtis McNeil, you know – like Matt Barkley, he hasn't uh, been called on all that much this spring, but he makes some moves and runs, and he's trusting his his natural ability in ways in which we haven't seen him do. And he's really hard to tackle. I mean, he's doing things in traffic, in you know, in the red zone, at, at, at the goal line that you know where he's not even being touched by people. Uh, uh, so I think the the combination of uh, of DJ. I think what we're seeing out of DJ are some really quick uh, uh, inside the tackle, just really hard, you know, quick busts right up the, you know, wherever the seam is. Uh, and so I think the, the combination of, of, of Curtis and DJ and Trey is something that I don't even know they were thinking that way uh, uh, because I don't know that they thought they were maybe that close to having it, but Everything we've seen from all three of them has been been really positive. So I think you know, I think they're going to have a nice combination uh, one, two, three, uh, you know, punch at, at tailback, and 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 then Trey also gives them the the wildcat element, which uh, uh, you know you got a little taller guy back there who's accustomed to throwing the ball from high school his high school days as a wildcat, and um, uh, and a and a power back at the at the goal line, although I think they all offer, you know, different things that they can do, uh, you know, at the goal line. But um, uh, I think Trey's in the mix uh, and is going to stay there. All right. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Andy. Who was running the stairs all day on uh, at practice on Saturday? You know what? I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that. I know I, I was told – but we weren't absolutely certain who that was. So I don't know. Did you see Ryan? Did you did you notice that? Yeah, um, it it looked like you mentioned uh, who was rolling. Uh, Justice uh, Groggins. Junior Palme, I think. And Junior Palme, yeah, the rolling are... <laughs> guy. Was it uh, Dev- uh, uh, Wilson? Possibly. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Devonte Wilson and uh, yes, I'm sorry. I mentioned Scroggins. No, it's Devonte Wilson and, uh, and and Junior Palme. They were doing. They were um, late. Uh, they were late. And, oh, uh, that's why. Okay. Yes, they were they were late. They were doing like yeah. wheelbarrow stuff, like through the end zone. So one would grab the other's ankles, and they'd have to wheelbarrow up and down. They were running the stairs. They were rolling. Um, yeah, that all. Uh, yeah, and and again, when you're down to no tight ends, and one of them is is doing uh, you know doing all that because you know. That's I think a mature program that can afford to say you know what it's more important that we, uh, you know, do what we always do and treat you like we treat everybody, even though when we do that, you're our last tight end. Uh, I thought, again, uh, a good decision. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's what a, a, a mature in a program that it's where, you know, it wants to be and, and, and knows where it is and says, you know, we'll be all right. We, we will, we're not so, desperate that we have to maybe uh, have one set of, uh, you know, disciplinary methods uh, for guys that, you know, if we've got backups or we've got others at their position, but if they're the only one at their position, well, maybe we'll hold it off till next week or something like that. And they didn't do that. And that's a good thing. Okay. And then we have one last question, Dan, that I'll probably 
have to answer. I just looked it up online for you. Um, but Michael wanted to know, is Morgan Breslin, the USC defensive end who transferred um, this season, uh, the son, is he the son of former Cal and Indianapolis Colts uh, defensive end Greg Breslin? And I did look this up, Dan, and I found, a, I think this is the person he's talking about. There's a Greg Bracelin, so it's spelled a little differently, B-R-A-C-E-L-I-N. Um, he did play for Berkeley and played in the early 80s uh, for the Broncos, the Raiders, the Baltimore Colts for a couple of years, and then yeah. finally the Indianapolis Colts. So I think that's who he's talking about. He was a linebacker uh, back in the day. I do, yeah. Now that you spell it that way, okay. Because they they haven't ever mentioned it. It's not in uh, in Morgan's bio, and it's not something anybody's ever talked about. So, uh, uh, good, very good, good research there. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, sometimes the the names are spelled a little differently. Usually, if it's a former, you know, if they have a a relative that played in the Pac-12 or played in the NFL, usually USC would list that in their bio. We both didn't see that there, so. Um, but yeah, that was. I, I will say this uh, appropriate to another question from the weekend. Uh, uh, had mentioned that Wes Horton was working uh, with his dad, or mentioned a defensive end working with his dad, and one of the guys was just just assumed it was about Wes Horton, but he assumed, well, that must mean Greg Townsend and Greg Townsend Jr. Uh, you know, would be the ones working together. His you know dad's an All Pro. Uh, you know, with the Oakland Raiders and all of that. Well, it turns out that's Wes Horton that we were talking about because his dad not only played for UCLA and played in the USFL and drafted by the Patriots, but he was also uh, Gemini on the uh, uh, the original American Gladiators show. And so he's teaching uh, Wes a lot of the combat kind of stuff and all that. But uh, USC's pretty good about uh, giving you uh, good biographical information on kids and their dads and their moms if they you know play sport. And I think Wes's mom also played uh, college tennis. So uh, uh, usually uh, that's not something we don't know if uh, if they've got a connection. Uh, you know, like Trey Mann, for example, with uh, you know the third generation of uh, football player in his family. And that it's just something that that. That's the kind of information uh, that uh, kids are, kids like to talk about it, and uh, USC usually makes sure we know about it. All right. Well, Dan, thanks very much for coming on the show. Got a lot of uh, questions answered and a lot of insight from the scrimmage over the weekend. Two more weeks of, of spring football to go, so we'll be back again next week chatting with you, talking about what happened the following week. We'll see if they open up the scrimmage again on Saturday like they did this past weekend, but should be another good one. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Is that a is the NCA coming around a little bit, and is USC being a little more uh, forceful and asking? Because uh, they they mentioned that you know the NCA said it would be a case by case basis, and that, that they could ask now whether they can ask every week. Uh, we'll see. But uh, you would like to see USC just push them uh, as hard everywhere. As, you know, I mean, if the NCA wants to say. Well, we're going to be really uh, pretty much understanding if it's Ohio State or, uh, you know, North Carolina or Oregon or even Miami, God forbid. Uh, maybe USC needs to say, well, you know what, we're going to give you a chance to be real understanding about USC, too. And uh, so I, I like the idea that USC is asking them to say, let's just open it up, okay? And at least this time they said, okay. Yeah. Now, it's easier to open it up in the Coliseum because they can keep the fans separate from the players and the recruits. And, and that seems to be the key issue. But, uh, and they can have different entrances and exits and all of that. So that there's no, they don't have to justify, well, who was at practice? You know, we want a list. Well, which is the key. Uh, so that they can make sure, uh, you know, no one's there that's not supposed to be there. Okay. Well, Dan, thanks again. It'd be nice if they open it up. Oh, yeah, for sure. But thanks again, Dan, for coming on the show. And uh, our thanks to Coach Harvey Hyde, who joined us in the first segment. Thank you all for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We enjoy getting all your questions and talking about the USC Trojans each and every week. And we'll be back again next week talking about the Trojans on the Peristyle Podcast. Check us out on peristylepodcast.com.
You've been listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on parastylepodcast.com or search for Parastyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.